Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. And my guest today certainly has chosen that right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Dee Livingwell. She is a photographer, but not just an ordinary photographer. She's a photographer to the rock and roll stars of our times. She's been doing this since 1975. So she has some of the greats that have visited Canada, visited Vancouver, and she has got books on the photography she's got an attic full of uh, photographs of these people where she's caught them in at their best in their moment truly living their passion their dream and her camera has caught it and so she's lived an extraordinary life and kind of clicking the photographs of those that are making a difference in our lives they've inspired us they've liberated us they've lifted us up they've created memories for us so she's captured those memories in her photography and we're going to be talking about the books that she has written I mean, uh, we're going to be talking about an awful lot of things of how she got into this and uh, the joy and a little bit of rock and roll in her herself of capturing the artist. Anybody can take a photograph, but capturing someone's essence, you have to understand the essence to in order to capture it. You know, you can click a lens, but it's that moment, isn't it? That moment that... But, that you just click at the right time and you capture something about them. Welcome to the show, Dee. Catching mm. in the middle of catching your drink. <laughs> there you go. That was a moment. <laughs> Thank you for having me, sir. Ah, uh, since I've heard you on the, um, you know, the step up and step out uh, talk, uh, where a lot of things that you said kind of really stuck with me. I knew I wanted to have you on. I always celebrate people that truly have found their passion and committed to that passion no matter what roller coaster you may have gone along the way and you've had a few ups and downs along the way but it's the the commitment to the passion and but first and foremost was that passion always there before the camera was in your hands uh, or was it when you put the camera in your hands um I, I, the passion started really early i was like five uh, when wow. my grandfather put the camera in my hands, right, and showed me how to how to manipulate it and where to, where to look, and I was amazed because everything was upside down. I'm <laughs> 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 giving away my age, right? Um, and it just seemed like like my whole life. It's like my 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 mother my mother could never take a picture without cutting somebody's head off. <laughs> Um, you know, she took forever. It would be like, mom, right? So I took over the family pictures and it was everywhere I went. I would go to a wedding, right? And people would hand me a camera, like an Instamatic camera. Mm -hmm. so, um, but it took a while for me to get into the 35 millimeter and to actually discover what my passion was, right? Mm -hmm. But I'd, I'd always had a camera in my hand, so... 
So um, would you see it was a form of your expression, an extension yeah. of your point of view? Um, I think so. I think so. I always, I, I, I never cut people's heads off. <laughs> you honored and, the head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I seem to have a different perspective of, you know, when people ask me to, you know, do a family picture, I had a, a different idea. It's amazing how many of my ideas have been stolen over the years. <laughs> well, it's meant to be a compliment, right? When somebody steals your style, right? But so. you know, but yes, it would be so. nice if they kind of acknowledged as well. Yeah. <clears throat> my first camera was the brownie. Do you remember that? Oh, of course, I won my first brownie. Yeah. <laughs> you you won it in a competition, or yeah, uh, no, my well, my grandfather again. He was teaching me. Um, the camera and I took a picture of newborn babies or something right and it, he was so proud and he entered it in a contest and I won a, a, a brownie camera right I mean I was more I was more enthralled with the little handle on the top of the camera right <laughs> than I was with the actual camera but right yeah. so I remember the brownie and the you know I have a whole collection of um cameras that you know collapsible pull them out mm. um, i don't know it seemed like when people found out you know i was interested in cameras they started giving me old ones yeah the olympus trip was my kind of camera that i traveled with and that i liked back in the day um but you know when you look at cameras today you know really have expanded and of course everybody kind of clicks with their phone now nowadays but there's something about having a camera in your hands and being able to adjust the lens and mm -hmm. you know the lighting uh, or capturing a moment you know everybody's busy clicking but are they actually photographing yeah the digital age is um wrecked havoc on mm on even you know the concert photography yes right i'm not i'm not actively shooting anymore um because of the fact that the stages are so large you have to shoot from the soundboard they have to give me a milk carton to box to stand on because to see over the crowd right uh the stages are are so long and so big that you know and i'm not accredited with any with any magazine or newspaper anymore right right so yeah um, my, my camera, uh, my concert shooting is curtailed. Mm -hmm. I am going to Peter Gabriel in September though. <laughs> uh, right. Yes. I remember it. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> um, but nowadays the photographers who want to do the concert photography and I applaud them because, you know, they have their work cut out for them because there's people in the audience with these digital cameras, yes. I swear without a word of a lie that are better then I would say 50% of the film cameras that, that you see today. Yeah. I mean, you know, being able to, even a digital camera, I see photos that have been manipulated. It's like, mm -hmm. it, it irks me actually to, to see different effects put on, uh, put on uh, photographs. It, uh, you know, I want to see the true picture. I don't want to see, I don't want to see this touch, touch. black, and, black yeah. and white image of this scowl of, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, I don't know what I would even call myself, a realist. Yeah.
but again but i mean you're capturing as i said the essence of the person you're capturing in the middle of a note or you're in the middle of something you know it's like i love interviewing musicians because they're so true to the heart and soul and their purpose in life right this is they are they are the, the instrument they are the voice um and it's the passion of who and what they are you know really it's just the challenge of getting the gigs but there's no doubt in who they are and yeah. to capture that by camera you know that moment where you could see them completely immersed into whatever number they're playing you know is it patience is it just being there at the right moment or are you set it's, up for it, it? it's it's patience <laughs> it it's feeling it in here mm-hmm. it's feeling yeah. it feeling it within within here um uh would you say you're attuned? You're attuned with the artist at that time? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have, if I can't be, yeah. if I don't like the music, I'm sorry, I can't I can't get into it. I can, I can take a photo, but it's not going to be right. right. My pictures have, have been called melancholy mm-hmm. because I do capture that moment where, mm-hmm. where you know, the, is right in the, in the depth of the note or yeah. whatever. Right. As I said, um, the essence, the essence of the present, right? That's it. You know, yes. that's it. It's like stopped in time. Yeah. He was at that moment. She was at that moment. And Capturing that's it. what I want to capture. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, you know, yeah. it, it, it's it, the thing is, you know, a picture can say a thousand words. And of course, today they can manipulate a picture and they can manipulate words, they can manipulate anything. But what we're looking for as human beings is the truth, is the core of a being. We're looking for our own core, we're looking for our own meaningful purpose, and we want that in other people. And again, when you've got mm. a musician out there playing, and they're playing that note, and they are so completely in tuned with it, and you yourself feel that music, you know, it guides the hand of when to click, right? It does. It the does. synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, uh, one of my one of my more famous pictures is of the Who, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, and I got them. Um, I got Pete Townsend in the air with his legs tucked under him, <laughs> playing the guitar. And people say, "Oh, you manipulated that." Well, I said, "How can you manipulate that? That's from 1978." Yeah, exactly. You didn't have that. Then. Uh-huh. You don't manipulate that, right? Um, but what happened was, I saw him. I saw Pete Townsend do this. I saw him take, I saw him take, go to the other side of the stage and I saw him, I I just did a rewind in my brain Mm -hmm. and I just pictured him what he was going to do. And I saw he was doing it again. He was going over to the other side and I went, okay, this is it. He's just going to, he's going to take four, four jump and then he's going to go into the air. And it was just like, click. Yeah. Perfect. And I knew that I had it. Yes. I yes. knew it. I get goosebumps even now right. because I knew that I had it. Right. Well, and of and course, it, back in that day, you didn't know until you got oh, to the dark room, right? There isn't oh, any yeah. instant looking at, oh, I got it, or I need to take another one. It was like, I got it. And you just prayed to God you did. Yeah. <laughs> you find that in the yeah. dark room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd have to wait, you know, you can hours get into the dark room, you know, when I was renting, right? At home, I would, I would go from a concert to my dark room, I would develop the film that night, right? Because I mean, I had a day job, right? So it was like, you know, I I I had to balance the day job, which paid the rent, and the night job, which was my passion. Which I, you know, when people said, "Oh, well, you you can't give up your day job because rock and roll will not pay your rent," 
Right. You know, I I said, watch me, watch me. You know, I'll make it. I'll do it. I'll you know, I don't care what I have to do to do it, but I will do it. Right. And that and that person today, even every time I see him, he he just he just you know shakes his head and oh you, know, you know he says uh, I knew you could do it, D. I I knew you could. But <laughs> I never I never started this career this career. Um, it started as a hobby. Mm -hmm. It started as something that I wanted to do for myself. Right. And to, per to keep that memory. And then when people started seeing my memories, mm. it just evolved. And I thought, this is what I want to do, but how can I do it? Um, well, I'm still going to have to work, but you know, okay, well I'll make it work. So it's just trial and I mean, What is the process in those days? Did you just go to see the show and take the photographs, or did you have to get permission to be the photographer well, there? Tickets, tickets, tickets were only five dollars. Right. Wow. <laughs> Probably five hundred or five thousand now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And 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 what happened was, um, uh, I went to a Pink Floyd concert with my brother, and he he was up in the nosebleed section and so a friend of mine landed me at landed lent me his 500 millimeter lens and to go to go on my canon camera and it was so heavy i couldn't it was, <laughs> i couldn't do my said to my brother hold it up right and i couldn't i couldn't focus i couldn't do anything it was just out of my realm mm -hmm. so i took it off and i put on my regular lens and I made my way down to the floor because at that time it was like concert seating. So there was no chairs or anything. I sort of made my way to the front. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Right. I could duck in. Right. And I got as close as I could. And then I just because I was doing this for my brother. Right. He wanted pictures. It was, it, you know, his thing. So and I <clears throat> I uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I didn't, I'd had no experience. I just let it happen. Yes. Yes. I just let it happen. I, I've always found, you know, I, I interviewed Kimberly Butler, another photographer, um, you know, of the stars, not rock and roll, but to uh, other people. And, you know, for her, it was, it was that journey that evolved. You know, I, I had a passion for it and I developed the knack for it. And then, you know, every job that you talked herself into, you know, it, it was the confidence of believing of why she was doing it and what she was portraying. So when you've got that, when you've got that, you know, I love what I'm doing. I'm doing it for me and to share that passion out with everyone else. It changes the whole vibe around you, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, um, you know, I... That Pink Floyd concert led to my first exhibition in a record store, which led to a fellow from a record company calling me and saying, we need a photographer. We have a gold album presentation. And then me going, me pursuing that and, and um, just taking advantage of the fact that uh, these pictures turned out right, mm -hmm. uh, and it just went on from there. It was, uh, you know, I mean, I've had numerous exhibitions right at Presentation House over in North Vancouver, and um, 
uh, Robson Square. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, right. Um, I've done shows right across Canada, uh, setting up in shopping malls. Debbie Gibson did it. Right, exactly. So I did it too. Right, right exactly, exactly. Yeah. My son was my driver, and I mean, <laughs> you know, just, keep every, it in the family. Every, everything just flows. It's supposed to go in. A, it's like it went in a natural pattern. Yeah, and without me even realizing, you know, that I was doing um, history. You're right. Yeah, you didn't set out to do it. You, you're no. kind of doing it for your own catalog and your own passion, no. and then it became that catalog. My my father was particularly fond of Canon cameras. That was his uh, choice. It was. I was too until somebody who knew better than me said, "Oh no, D, if you're going to be taking pictures of any theater, which I wanted to do as well, you you can't have a you can't have a single lens, lens reflex. You you know you have to go out and get a Leica." Right, because when you take the picture, it doesn't make any noise. So you have to have a, oh. a camera with no noise, right? right? No click. <laughs> no click, no click. So I went into the, my camera store and I had this Canon. And I said, so, you know, how much are these Leicas? And, you know, I said, I wanted to do theater work or whatever. And and he, and he told me, he said, well, I'll take your Canon and I'll, we'll, do a, we'll do an even trade. Well, I thought that was pretty good because, you know, they're like it was used, of course, and mine was too. Um, but I did one show with it. I went back to the camera shop. <laughs> Get my Canon back. <laughs> said, I do not like the Leica. I want my Canon back. And he said, sorry. He said, I sold it 10 minutes after you were gone. Right. Uh. So he turned me on to Nikon. Mm -hmm. So, and basically, I, I've used Nikon um my, all my, my whole career right i just upgraded and upgraded and upgraded when you when you when you know something it's like you trust it don't you you know yeah well all the lenses were interchangeable <laughs> i didn't have to you know and i knew every sort of camera was the same just a little bit better and a little bit better so well, it's, it's um, the familiar you know it's that um it's that instrument that is it's the it is the instrument that is going to be the expression of what you capture but when you're at one with the instrument, you're not fighting it and it doesn't feel wrong in the hand, you know, it's just part of you, an extension of your limb. Then it allows you to actually capture the work that you're doing because yeah. it's, you're not worrying about the instrument. You're not focusing on that. It's just there for you. You know how to use it and you can concentrate on what you want to get done. Yeah. I, I, I remember an incident at the Coliseum in Vancouver where there was another lady photographer and myself, and then all the gentlemen photographers, and they always stayed to one side, right? Because, you know, we weren't a viable thing, right? And <laughs> I heard I heard one of the photographers say, well, she can't be any good. Look at her equipment. Well, there's such a statement in oh, there. <laughs> it was so you hard need all that to... equipment, do you? Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, she succeeded where he didn't. And that's all I can say. Exactly. At the very end of it, right, years later, she was a success and he wasn't. Right. right. He was and operating in a one-hour photo booth in some shopping mall. And right. There. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's, uh, it, there's a wonderful guitarist that I interviewed called Justin Johnson, American Blues. And uh, the reason I... I jumped up interviewing him is that he was playing a guitar out of a spade and well, any, 
and uh, people would make instruments for him, oil cans, car parts, anything. As long as it got strings on it, he could play it. And, you know, this Americana blues, really neat, uh, neat strings. Uh. And it's like every single time, doesn't matter what you put in his hand, he is the music. He transforms the music, right? Uh. And, it, and I think, again, that is um, when your art is so profound, when the eye is there, when you know what to capture, when you're so utterly in tuned, mm. it really doesn't matter about the instrument so much, does it? It's no, really. Yeah, we had. We, yeah, I've taken many pictures of uh, one artist called the Shovel Playing Man, mm -hmm. and he has all his all his guitars are made out of shovels. Yeah. So and he's great. He's like a country country blues right especially now, I think. But uh, yeah, the Shovel Playing Man. And it was a he was a thrill to watch because you never knew what was going to come out of the, the sound that the yes. show made. Right? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, yeah. and it's just but you see that's the mark of a true artist who can take whatever instrument and find a way to make music out of it, like you have done with photography. You've taken the instrument, which is the camera, but the the language of you has come through the camera to capture the mm -hmm. essence. So it's you and that instrument, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you are one, you are the performance in the sense, because mm -hmm. you're capturing the performance. Right. The artist, right? Yeah. So if you don't have that artistic feeling, as you said, you had to feel the music, the music had to hit you. The music had to bring something out in you, that connection, right? Yeah, and then, yeah. and then the camera just knew when to click because it was an extension of the way you felt. But if exactly. you were, if you weren't the artist within yourself, you wouldn't recognize those moments of when to click. Mm, right. Well, hey, you said it very well. That's <laughs> the truth, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like your camera becomes an extension of, you know, of your body. It's, mm. um, you know, I, I've seen photographers out there that have motor drives and they just they click, 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 click. Yeah. And then they hand that one back to their assistant and get a new one. And that's not, that's not the way, that's not the way that you take pictures, especially not concert photography. Right. No, you because I mean, for the artist to, to do something, yes. right. And to do something, you have to feel, yeah. you know, what he's feeling, right. Yeah. Or she's feeling. Oh. Because that, again, it goes back to you capturing the essence of the person. How do you capture the essence of the person is because you're in tuned with that essence. You're feeling yeah. that essence. Now, a camera just going click, 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 click will get a picture. But that picture that just has that other film to it, that other bit to it, mm. where, where you look at that picture. I mean, you know, I mean, I... I'm 68, so growing up, Beatles and uh, Rolling Stones and everything from the 60s going into the 70s. And the we used best to, time. The oh, best God, time. Best time for music. Oh. Best time. And, you know, just that having a picture on the wall or seeing the cover of an album, you know, with that right photography. Do you remember Santana with the one with the, is it the lion? All that uh, picture oh. on there. Right? Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That album. And, uh, but, yeah. We, we treasured the album because like we soaked up the picture of the album in anticipation of what was coming. <laughs> right. And so we miss that with the digital today because we just yeah. download the song, but there was something about an album cover that, you know, kind of the, it was like 
you go into your favorite restaurant and oh, what am I going to choose on the menu tonight? You know, and yeah. it, that I think a lot of that artistry is being lost because we don't have those albums or we don't have those pictures in the magazines like we used to have where we could see the artists and, uh, you know, just like I can't wait to hear the next next album or I can't wait to hear this mm. particular song from the album or or having a photograph. I mean, I imagine for so many people going to the concerts, you capturing that moment that they all felt and keeping that moment alive for them every time they see that photograph. Well, I do. I sell limited edition uh, photographs um, of my favorite. Well, actually, any artist that, that they want. Right. Mm. So but they're limited edition of 25 only. Mm. And the sizes start at 11 by 14. And I even offer framing. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the full extent. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Well, might as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Give them the true um, experience. But uh, I know, I've noticed the um, an increase in people phoning me up and going, oh, because I do my posts on Facebook every Friday yes. and birthdays. Yes. And I get people who get in touch with me saying, oh, I'd love a copy of that picture. I was at that concert in yeah. 1979. <laughs> I was at that concert. It was my first concert. How do I get a photo? How do I? So, and that's been happening more and more lately. It's just people who say, right. All these people have money now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of them. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, they have music rooms or even some people have studios or whatever. I mean, I've equipped studios. I've done uh, restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, my my post today on Facebook is a, a Ringo star. Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was uh, uh, that was actually a huge, huge photograph blown up at the you know really big print company. Right. It was done in sections because it went in the landing of a of a restaurant in Kelowna, which had a whole bunch other of my, it was my mini gallery. Mm -hmm. they, they had my pictures everywhere, but all the front were all glass. So when people drove by, they could see this huge, you know, photo of Ringo Starr and it just. And know. everybody knows Ringo. It doesn't matter what oh, the yeah. age is. Everybody oh. knows Ringo. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So have, yeah. have there been any, favorites that they, you know they spoke to you in such a way that you had to go back every time or you know follow them wherever they are to get another photograph uh rod stewart mm -hmm. um i worked in depth with long john baldry mm -hmm. years years uh uh until his his passing um um <laughs> it's like uh, Every cause, every no, I don't. I not Rod any Stewart, one particular. No, no, Rod Stewart is. I mean, I've taken pictures of Rod Stewart so many times that you know, local bands, mm -hmm. right? Local bands that that you know, I really like you know, that are old from you know, my generation or whatever. You know, the, the lover boys who are still on tour, or mm -hmm. the you know, the troopers who you know, Ray and Smitty have retired now. But the band is still on tour as troopers. So, um, you know, I like to follow, you know, give support to to uh, those bands. And you worked with Red Butler for a while? You knew him? Was it Red Butler? Red, um, 
I'm getting his name wrong. Let me put my glasses on. It's in your, it's in your content here somewhere. But um, he used to always have those wonderful shows. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Red something. Red Robinson? Yeah. Wonderful. Is that it? Yeah. Red. yeah, Red Robinson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I did all his shows. I did all the pictures for all his books, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, um. <laughs> When I was 13, I fell in love with this disc jockey called Red Robinson. <laughs> and uh, I was quite upset when he married this woman called Carol. <laughs> Never knowing that years later that, uh, you know, they would become my best friends. Mm. Just, you know, it's like how things happen. Right. So, um, yeah, all Red's books is like, well, do you have a picture of this? Do you have a picture of that? And I'd say, yes. Well, just send them all to me. We'll just, we'll, we'll figure it out. Right. So I mean, because he did a lot, you know, for the industry, didn't he? Oh, quite a long time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely kind of our Dick Clark in many ways. So, um, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, and, um, so, there's no any one person or any one moment, but is there ever a photograph that you actually have, a, have up in your house that every time you look at it, you smile or go down a memory? Tina Turner. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I, I shot Tina. Well, I did uh, her uh, her book tour in Vancouver, all the interviews. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, and then one, two, three, like four, five. Yeah, five concerts. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Vancouver, Toronto. At um, what age? At what age group was she at this point? She was in her 40s. Mm hmm. So post Ike? Yeah. After Ike. Oh, yeah. But I started with her, with Ike. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, I did show two uh, two shoots of her with Ike. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Okay. And then um, she was on her own. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time seeing her, it was just like, wow. Transforming, did, right? Uh, yeah. Transformation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was always a great artist, but there's something about when she went out on her own, that she sense a, she, she of liberation. Genuine, yeah, she was a genuine person, mm. right? You know, there was nothing fake or phony about her. Uh, you knew where you stood with her. Mm -hmm. um, um, she would, she, uh, she, she put out the book, I, Tina, and she was doing the, the book, the book tour here in Vancouver. So she asked her, manager that woman in vancouver that woman photographer that i had to shush at the album um, um media thing you know the one with the great legs <laughs> I, she want would her, <laughs> I want her to do i want her to be the photographer in vancouver so he phoned out the the um the uh, record company and he said well tina has a very weird request mm -hmm. uh, she wants the, the female photographer with the great legs and they said oh no that's got it no that's dean <laughs> so, forget about known for your photography known for your legs <laughs> but tina had great legs so you can see the yeah. association so there, when, you know. she, when she came into the hotel room and i did all the pictures and whatever i was wearing a short skirt mm -hmm. right and she was wearing pants. And I, I asked her, I said, you know, is it okay if I take 
if I if I have a picture taken with you. She goes, oh, my dear, certainly it's, it's just wonderful to see you again. And, you know, um, and I said, you know, we're supposed to wear pants because we have to show off our legs. And she said, you've got better legs than me. <laughs> No, I don't. No, I don't. So from there she, on, always a short skirt, right? <laughs> yeah, she, she, she was really, uh, yeah. And of course, was, I didn't know that she uh, became a a, a Buddhist. So um, that chose yeah, Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist religious, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and vegan, etc. Yeah, yeah, years and years and years ago. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's, it, it's it's strange to think of that sort of lifestyle. Yes. Uh, but I think she was sort of coming off the stage, you know, she wasn't doing, you know, 50 dates a year or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was like later on that she discovered it, but she was still quite young, right? Yeah. It just sounds fast that you can get up on stage and just let go and, and yet have the Buddhism and the everything when you get probably that's the reason why she could do it so well on the stage is because when she came off she knew how to find her center she Uh, knew how to find her her own inner temple uh, and find that peace and that calmness so that when she did get on the stage she had that energy to generate up there and not come off and feel depleted there was something to fortify her so i understand why she went that way because a lot of people you can't keep up that same adrenaline on and off stage yeah. over uh, such a huge span of a career without you know paying for it yeah. not everybody's mick jagger <laughs> i remember well i remember her coming off stage at one time and she goes yeah that was good wasn't it that was really good that was good that was good and it was just like oh man of course it was good you know it was almost like she was surprised right but it was like she was just she was so so excited Oh, like... my, my mother was a stage actress and she said the performance is different every night according to the audience and the audience's energy and what they bring to the table. The audience doesn't doesn't quite understand the energy in which they receive the performance is what's feeding the performer. Right. And if the energy right. is held back or, you know, not quite there, then what is the you know performer generating from? And so when you have an audience that's really with you, I mean, that is what she was saying. You know, she's always good. But when you've got an audience that's really with you, then it's great. Well, Vancouver used to be known for its lack of audience particip- participation. Yeah. Why? Like, well, well, I have no idea. Like, I remember, uh, um, I think it was summer Sunday, 78 or 79 or whatever. Um, and there was bands playing and the, and the crowd would just stand there like this. And what? somebody came on stage. Yeah, they just stood there. I don't want to name any names because I don't want to embarrass them. Um, uh, but the MC came out and said, you know, you could give a little bit of appreciation here, you know, like, hello, some applause, some, come on, you know, we're getting a really bad reputation, right? Mm-hmm. And so he sort of got the crowd going, and then one of the other MCs came out, and, you know, they they, they, they started the crowd going. But, yeah, uh, Vancouver had a reputation of real tough crowds. 
were, know, were they just tough because you've got to impress me or they were just not yeah. people that that could you know yeah. express themselves yeah no no the crowds were like okay i paid my 750 <laughs> um and uh um impressed me and you know what if i was showing you the amount of money that what they want now for shows i would i would really want to be impressed yeah if I if I if I shelled out a hundred dollars, well, you can't even get a ticket for a hundred dollars. No. I don't think, right? But you know, if I that's why I don't go to concerts anymore, right? <laughs> like, they should be paying you to I go mean, to the concerts, yeah, my dear. Exactly. They should be. Yes, yes, yes. Well, they 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 do, but it's like, uh, okay, the concert photographer is basically. Um, over the years has not been a viable option for anybody, right? Okay, the the management, uh, they're not going to buy uh, photographs, right? They have their own clique of photographs. All the photographs are taken pre-show, dress rehearsals. They pick the best ones. All the programs are done, right? They, you know, as they go on tour, all the T-shirts are done. Everything is done. So yeah. when they actually roll into Vancouver, mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they give they give the newspapers and the magazines the courtesy of, yes, of going to shoot the show. But when was the last time you saw a picture published in a daily newspaper, or even a weekly yeah. paper, of a performance um, of note? You know, I mean, Elton John comes to town. Is there a picture of him anywhere performing on the stage? Not professionally. No, what we get that is oh. people posting on social media. You know, yeah, everybody's well, different point of view on it, right? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and again, they're not capturing the essence. They're capturing the staged, right? It is, again, the essence. When you are at one with the musician, when he, they're, they're speaking to you, you're feeling it, and the finger clicks. That is a different photograph to the one is that they're just playing and the camera is clicking, you know, for the program. I remember going to a concert. I had already shot. It was pink, I think. And I'd shot and I went back. I, I had a seat and uh, my husband and I had a seat. Right. And so I went and I sat down and there was a girl sitting in front of us and she had like a notebook and she was recording the whole thing and she was holding it like that <laughs> the whole time. And I said to my husband, has she been doing that the whole time? He goes, yeah, the whole time. She sat like that for the whole concert. When people stood up, she stood up. When people sat down, she sat down. She just didn't let go. It was like her hands were glued to that. And I said, what's the sense? Yes. No? You're not engaging. I hope you got a good video. I don't know. Yeah, and there's, no. nothing, there's nothing that the promoters or uh, the managers can do about it because everybody has a cell phone, right? And you have, they hold up their cell phones and they can't, they can't, they can't police that. No. So the pictures are out there. Yeah. So the artists better, better not do anything bad on stage. <laughs> oh God, yes. There is that as well, right? You know, whereas you took a photograph in the past, you know, they could say, uh-uh, not that one. But oh, nowadays, yeah. absolutely everything is captured, right? And oh. what makes the news is always the, you know, those moments, right? So, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's forget anybody's human. I mean, there's there's something going on right now. I saw a bit on the news where things have been thrown at performers, cell phones, oh, yeah. other things. And it's, what is this all about? 
You know, if you don't like the artist, don't go. But don't show such disrespect. I mean, what was it? One phone hit one of the artists in the eye. And it's yeah. like, you know, this is irresponsible. I mean, I remember Tom Jones used to get knickers thrown on, on yeah. stage for him. That's a little different. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's um, knickers, by the way, are panties, folks, if you don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, has the audience become jaded? Have we become oversaturated you know is there a lack of appreciation or is there a different attitude that people are going to the concert today um um i don't know i don't know sarah i really don't know um, i know it's, it's like you know kind of i'm glad i was in my era um at that time growing up i was in south africa so we'd have a lot of people coming over to south africa to perform uh -huh. and it was great to see the performers there because we were hungry for it to see professional uh, performers mm. that i remember when barry white came over oh. and uh, you had white women throwing themselves at him all the time and of course apartheid was still very strong so there was a huge yeah. controversy over that and we had a number of other artists out there and it was great, you know, because it was a treat to have and you really valued and respected the people that came over and performed for you. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, I, I've got a thing about crowds now. I don't like being amongst crowds. So the last big one I went to was um, Santana many years ago and I went with um, my kids and we up, were standing up the whole time dancing, the whole time dancing, just, just absolutely loving the music because... In South Africa, I was the second person to bring about mobile discotheque. My brother and his friend bought about the first mobile discotheque, and then my boyfriend and I bought about the second. And Whoa. of course, Santana was really big, and this is early 70s. Yeah. So, you know, playing at parties, the only thing is, you know, packing everything away. The speakers are like coffins, and you had crates <laughs> of albums and the turntable that was heavy. Uh, but it was fun doing the party. And then playing the music and kind of, you know, we're yes. the conductors. We're setting the mood, which is really, really great. So music uh -huh. has always been really big for me in, um, in the way it makes you feel. But I've got more now to I prefer the more intimate settings of music rather than the big crowd. Because I feel that it's kind of lost something. You know, it's just yeah. too crowded and like kind of lost that nuance that's really, that used to be there when you saw the performers. Um, you know, that... But I'm going back a ways. It's been a while since I've seen a live performance. But my daughter is one to go all the time because she's she backs up new groups and everything all the time. And she Where just absolutely loves She's in Vancouver. When we do lunch, you're going to meet her. She's going to come along. And she loves um, loves performing, you know, performers. Uh, yeah. She's a mixologist, so she designs drinks for them. Um, but I think the thing is, a lot of people I feel today aren't in touch with their passion. They're so busy living this exterior life of should be, gotta be, this and that, that they don't know how to follow that gut, that inner sense, that inner passion of that drive of, I really love doing this and following it, even if it is rocky, even if it's hard at times, even if you have to have those other jobs, you know, that yeah. but you follow the passion. Um, and I think a lot of people are missing out because of that, because there's something about when you find what it is you're meant to do, when you love it so much, that it really 
mean something to you, then whatever you're doing is going to mean something to someone else because right, it's coming right. through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, my grandchildren are are, are older. <laughs> uh, my grandson is like thirty, and and he went to uh, he went to BCIT. Um, he took uh, radio broadcasting, broadcasting, right? Um, and uh, he's just gone from you know it. He was working for a radio station in Prince George and then he moved and we really missed him. And then he moved back to, you know, and he's gone through about four or five different job changes. Yes. He just can't find the, you know, that the, one, that, that one. one. Yeah. A niche. Right. Yes. You know, and my, and my grand, my granddaughter too. So she's pretty good. She's, I think she's found what she wants to do. Right. Um, uh, so she's good, but you know, I tell my grandson, Hey, I was 28 mm -hmm. when I when I started taking rock and roll pictures. Right. 28, you're only 30. You know who knows? You might fall into something, and you know you just you don't know what you you know say. Okay, my passion is this, but you don't do that. It's like, oh wow, I really like to do this. This is yes. This it's an, it, yes, it's this not an external passion, is it? It's, it's something that. Yeah. You always say if you do it for free, you know, yeah. then you know that you're on the right track. When it's something you just got to do, you got to yeah. do. Yeah. Now, I mean, were you drawn to any other photography or was it always the rock and rollers? Was it always the musicians? Um, uh, well, I had, I, I had to learn how to do other photography just to survive. Right. So I had to, first of all, I had to teach myself darkroom work. Mm. Uh, I had to be able to produce my own my own product. Um, I had to learn how to shoot weddings. I had to learn about lighting. I had to learn what goes on at a, at a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, mm -hmm. right? What is expected of you, right? Uh, what, um, you know, uh, I worked for record companies. I work every job. I, I just put my whole heart into mm -hmm. because I knew that without doing these extra things, I wouldn't be able to go and, shoot the, the stars and yeah so um you know people say do you have any advice for photographers and i say well basically don't quit your day job but don't give up right yeah right yeah but you know you always you know it's like f falling back on something well i mean it's been i don't know 35 years since i've had nothing to fall back <laughs> <on>. <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, and then going in my books and that, um, you know, I started in 1986, 87, publishing my first book. And then that led to people seeing the pictures and asking about the story. So then I published my second book, which had all the stories in it. Um, then I did a book on Merritt Mountain Music Festival. It's all country artists. Mm -hmm. So 17 years of country artists. So wow. I did a book about that. And now, um, and then I have tote bags and I have scarves. I have scarves. I yes, yeah, I love that. You were talking about that in that uh, talk with them where you have the stars imprinted yeah, on yeah. the scarves, which I think yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, no, they're beautiful and they're exclusive. So, you know, not everybody, you know, they're exclusive. Right. Not mass yeah. produced. Yeah. Right. No, no. And they're made out of 100 uh 100% uh, recycled water bottles. 
I love that. That's they're great. Light, they're light and airy, and they're good for summer and winter. Right. Exactly. I just do a little plug, right? And also, <laughs> they make a statement. You know, I when mean, anything that has a story behind it. What's that on your scarf? And that you know, and then well, this is what Dee does. Then she's the photographer of the stars for so long, and this is from this era, and that's from that era, you know. And I think it just makes everything so much more exciting, right? Because I think everything is a story right. when you're taking a photograph. It's a story of the moment. When when we write stories, when we have our own life stories, you know, these stories have an impact on other people, and that's right. the the beauty of storytelling however the medium is because it it's how we relate to it how it inspires us how it invites us to look at our own story and our own contribution and right, i think that right. whatever the form of storytelling is is that slow down everyone be present and pay attention to the story that is in front of you because there's a reason why it's in front of you and there's some relatability, but stop being so, you know, chasing the destination that you forget about the journey in life. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, right now I'm working on uh, when I was getting all my black and white photography ready to go to the the National Music Center in Calgary. Right. Which is like an honor to be like, couldn't believe it. Um, when I was going through my storage locker, I came across a, a storage bin. My husband said, well, what's in here? And I went, oh, that's slides. And he went, slides? And I went, yeah, when I could when I could afford it, mm -hmm. um, I would take a roll of color slide film to a concert, especially, you know, the Rolling Stones or Tom Petty or The Who or Tina Turner or whatever. And um, I would get the slide film back, and then I would edit it, and then I would put it, the good ones, in this storage bin. And the storage bin kept getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, it's a fair fair size. It's like that big. He opened it up and he went, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think he put a few swear words in there, too. <laughs> I said, right, Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, Tina Turner, the mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, you know, all the local. He said, there's your next book. And right. I went, there's my next book. Exactly. So I haven't decided. And now I'm going through slides. So it's like if I'm going cross-eyed, right? <laughs> I come out of my office and I'm like, uh, because I'm, you know, going through the slides now and picking and choosing. So I, you know, it's 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 a massive job, and I don't care. It took me years to put the stories together. I don't know if I'm going to have any stories in it or not, um, but we'll we'll see. See if I can remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you can kind of remember the moment that that was there. Oh, um, yeah. Do you know um, Darcy Murdoch, known as Bobby Buckerus? Uh, no. He's a performer in Vancouver, um, a crooner sings all the popular old, you know, oh. old songs. And, and he actually had to um, have two sets of new lungs. He wasn't a smoker, but he ended up with a disease. And and uh, he would get out there with kind of his oxygen mask sing and put the oxygen mask on while he was waiting. Oh, and God. he sings a lot at the Sylvia Hotel. Oh, that's okay. A, that's a big one for him there. Darcy? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he goes as, as Darcy. Um, um, hang on a second. Let me just get back to that because he has two names. He goes by Bobby 
Backhouse, and his name is Darcy Murdoch, known as Bobby oh. Backhouse. Okay. Um, but a really neat guy. And it's, uh, but you know, there again is that passion and conviction. He could have given up when he got the lung disease, but no, it's like, you know, give oh, me something so I can keep on singing, right? And and what I think that, um, you know, and I think that I, I love it when people, uh, it doesn't matter what obstacle is in my way, this is my conviction and passion. I have to do this and I just have to find in whichever way I can do it, right? Whatever the obstacle yeah. is, I'm going to climb it um, because um, the, the drive in you is too much. And so now I imagine going through all of these slides at the moment, kind of deciding what's going to be in the book, which probably be difficult to decide oh. which ones, you know, uh, but the memories that it's re-sparking inside of you. Now, do those memories take you beyond the actual clicking of the photograph, does it take you back to a time in your life when this happened or that happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Oh, I, re <laughs> I remember that concert. That's the concert where my car broke down after <laughs> and I couldn't get. Oh, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Isn't it funny how that yeah. happens is that we get um, we look at something and it triggers a, a a stupid memory in many ways. I mean, oh, you know, it's music. A, yeah, music. Okay. yeah, music. It's like it's like you know, you hear one note of Pink Floyd takes me right back to the first the first concert where it all started. Mm. One note, you know, because you know that note is Pink Floyd. <laughs> yes, and in fact, you know, my brother was such a fan. The first album that I had um, before, well, I was just a mother, just a mother. <laughs> um, only a mother <laughs> only a mother uh, was uh, Frank Sinatra mm -hmm. I did it my way is right. The name of it. right and uh, my, 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 my second album was Pink Floyd uh, something about an atomic cow right <laughs> <laughs> wow so, a little bit different like, oh <laughs> but you know um, I was influenced by by my friends around me music wise right mm. um and uh and that was an interesting journey too like i hated country i thought it was just ridiculous i not, not huge on country but but there's certain songs there's certain oh. performances well, but the country, not... the country music now i've gone used to it i i expect a story mm -hmm. yes uh, right yes and um, you know uh i expect uh you know comedy sometimes yeah Right in the country, so I'm in. I mean, shooting for Merritt Mountain Music Festival for 17 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like when we go out there. It was the first three songs, and that was it. And you go, okay, you go back to the trailer and you know, edit edit your pictures. Well, have a beer <laughs> <laughs> because your work was over. Because right. I wasn't interested in any of these country artists. Right. But over the years, it was like, huh, well, that's not bad. Right. Mm, no, she's pretty good. Oh, she can. Yeah, it's like getting turned on to all these yes. female Major. country artists, right? You know, some of them from my backyard, right? Um, uh, it was and it it was a really great experience for me because I'd done the blues and I I hadn't done that much jazz, um, sort of a bluesy jazz. The the yeah. jazz I couldn't understand the jazz because. There was too many instruments, and they were all playing a different song, and I couldn't and I couldn't concentrate. 
Right. I couldn't concentrate mm -hmm. on jazz, you know, uh, but blues and, and you know, rock and roll. And I wasn't into any folk. I didn't really like the folk. It was just too lame for me. <laughs> yeah, Dave Brubeck, um, his son is married to my cousin. Oh. Um, so I had him, Darius Brubeck, and he followed in his footsteps. Oh. Um, of his father as a jazz musician, so I obviously interviewed. I've him. heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, but it was really really interesting the impact that his father had in Poland. Apparently, he played in Poland, and it became such an inspiration that it was part of kind of a a, a revolution for them. And they actually have an, an entire thing, you know, um, monument to him, so to speak. But wow. uh, what um, what he did, his son did because um, uh, they moved to South Africa and he started in the universities a jazz program and uh, and it was not restricted to people who had you know full education to get in there and it was open to black and white before you know the whole apartheid thing was stopped and oh. uh, and now it's still going today that he started off there opening up that music to other people that didn't have the opportunity before so wow. he's and he's still playing he's still out there playing away and and my cousin is his manager and has been now for about 50 years <laughs> whatever <laughs> so, but you know um I didn't used to like jazz until kind of it got more to me understanding jazz, and especially when it's bluesy jazz. Yeah, it's, it, it's the blues jazz that that, that I like. Uh, like I said, you know, you got six musicians on stage, and they're all playing a different song, and it's just hard. It's you can't concentrate on. I yeah. can't. You know, I can't. It's hard to get it. into a groove, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but but well, when it becomes jazz, bluesy, blues, yes. Like, oh my God, BB King. Oh yeah. Oh, I call yeah. it the elongation of music yeah. when your whole body feels like it wants to stretch out. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I have a guy. Yeah, uh, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've interviewed quite a number of those musicians, and and you know, one was called the ballad drummer, and it's it is that kind of elongation, you know, um, jazzy type thing, or the, uh, the the spatting, you know, and all of that type of thing. It's great. I love it. You know, music's big to me, and you know, I was the era. Um, in the 70s in South Africa where we would have parties that were outside because the weather was good and somebody would have a turntable if it wasn't us doing DJing and so earth wind and fire blood sweat and oh. tears I love oh. bread you know oh. at that time and and of course you know all of all of the others the Rolling Stones the Beatles and the Doors and all of that <laughs> type of thing but it was music that everybody felt uh, and and bored out a feeling in everybody, uh -huh. yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah. really music that you connected to. Or you, Even it, today, those groups. Yes. Even today. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, I heard Earth, Wind & Fire on, on a radio station on my way back from the gym, and it was just like, whoa, and I was just like. Yeah. Transformed. <laughs> I, I was back. Yes. I, I was back in the theater watching them. I was, it was just like I got goosebumps. It was no. Yeah. My big thing at the present moment, I love them so much and I go into phases of them, is the blood, sweat and tears. You know, God oh. bless the child yeah. and when I die and all of that. Yeah. And, it's the, yeah. and it's because it's the full instrument station in there, yeah. you know, the way that you they move the instruments. And I think, um, you know, in a lot of ways today, one of the things I find disappointing today is that you do go to a concert and the person doesn't sound like their record because when they're being recorded, 
there's so much adjustment going on yeah you know that you're actually losing their real voice and i think that is a disservice to everyone to them and right. to everyone else and that it's only through their records or you know the downloads that uh, you kind of hear the voice um and i think you know it's one of the reasons why i like watching the shows like the voice and this and that because you know the the true essence of them is being brought out and it yeah. isn't just about how perfect the voice is or it's about the emotion the crack the way you make people feel and i think that's what something maybe forgotten without the bit. visual without the visual without the visual exactly yeah. Yeah. and how, and that isn't that what music is about is how does it make you feel you know like you're driving you know down the road on the highway and you've got that music playing and it just whoa you know, it just makes you feel something <laughs> and i think that's the importance of music because it's actually an incredible healer but it's also the way it makes you feel and when somebody could capture that moment that picture at that particular moment of chord where everybody's feeling that everybody's in tuned with that every time you look at that picture you're taken back to that moment of of really illumination of exaltation you know just feelings so that walk, you can't always get on your own when i walk into my office i get taken back by the sting and the robert mm. plant and the tina turner and the eric clapton mm. and rod stewart and yes. the, you know it's like i don't have any any uh, the only place that i have photographs rock and roll photographs is in my office right um uh I used to live in a in a larger home uh, heritage house, and I had a long hallway, so I had pictures all the way down the hallway. So when people came in, wow, wow yeah, wow, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, but here, no, it's like you know. Now my favorite thing is trees in my house. Yes, I have pictures of trees. <laughs> <laughs> it started with trees, actually. Oh, really? Back well, to trees. You know, when I was learning the 35 millimeter camera, I had an underwater, a Nikon underwater camera. Mm -hmm. No, it was like totally manual. So, and then I had my little light meter and I went to Stanley Park. And uh, uh, so I take my light meter and I put it up against it because I love trees, put it up against the tree and it would tell me. And so I stand back and I take yes. a picture of this tree. Right. Well, when I, this was a loner camera just to see if I could do something right. with it, if I had an eye, mm. right? So, but he didn't tell me at the end, when he came to the end of the roll of film, that you had to push that little button at the bottom and then roll your roll your film oh, back no. into the canister. He didn't tell me that. So when I opened it up, it was like, Rah! I closed it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, I, I passed that information on to Roger Daltrey and he thanked me profusely because he just bought a Canon camera right right there. yes <laughs> anyway no, I mean those those are the trials and tribulations right you know of of the overexposure or your or camera opening up or you know something going wrong with the chemicals when you're oh, doing it you oh, know yeah, all uh, of those things well fortunately um out of that ruined batch of pictures there was the uh, a, a photo of a, a building in Gastown, and it was just it was sort of uh, anyway. I entered. I really liked it, so I entered it in the West Vancouver Photo Contest, the Royal Centre Mall, and uh, Park Royal Mall, and uh, I came in second. There you go. 
There you go. Like, hey, that was my first roll of film, and I screwed it up. And I came. <laughs> so how about that? Yeah, that means they're on the right path. Yeah, exactly. On the right oh. path. <laughs> now, there is something that uh, Julie mentioned in the talk, which is completely off topic, but it's something that actually made me extremely aware, and I want to share it on. Julie was talking about a time when they thought that you were drinking too much because your liver was, was in danger, and it ended up being not from the drinking, but from the Advil that you were taking uh, every yeah, day. Uh, the ibuprofen that you were taking that was caught doing liver damage um then that that it, there is actually a warning on there because the writing is so tiny who reads the thing at the time i was taking you know ibuprofen in the morning and in the evening and it's made me completely stop <laughs> and try and use different type of things for yeah, it because to, of that you, yeah you have to you know take different things mm. right because yeah. your body gets used to it anyway well i took it for a long time Right. Long, a long time. Uh, you know, like every morning I would automatically take a 650 milligram uh, heavy dose of ibuprofen because I was doing a lot of moving and shaking. And, you know, I was I was very, very active. Right. right? And, you know, lugging camera equipment around yeah. and doing that sort of thing. Right. And I did it just as a preventive thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And little um, did you know. Yeah. Little did I know. It yeah. was okay, <laughs> but um, it wasn't, you know, stopping drinking was like absolutely no problem at all. Right. It was just like they said, you have liver damage, right? What have you been doing? How much do you drink? And I said, well, I, I don't drink. I drank every day, mm -hmm. but I'd have a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, which, you know, Julie for me that I was an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> You different know. interpretations right yeah yeah exactly uh but uh, uh it was just what do you take what do you put in your body what 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 caused this and when he found out that i was doing the ibuprofen every morning he goes so how long have you been doing this and i said and i would do it again if i was aching or after a right. shoot or whatever, exactly right? you know uh five six years he goes oh my gosh mm -hmm. he goes didn't you read the warning label on the i said how can anybody read oh. it it's microscopic in the way that it's written but it does you know so i mean anything and now i've um i've done two books two tech books on liver disease um on i did a the happy liver society got in touch with me and they wanted to do to, for me to do a book on on hepatitis right mm -hmm. so um uh the title of the of the tech book is called you don't have to be a rock star to get liver disease <laughs> right right and you know and all these liver disease there's over a hundred mm -hmm. liver diseases but everybody when you say i have liver disease they automatically think right there oh you're an alcoholic exactly yeah Right. Yeah. I know alcoholics things. that have their livers are like robust. Right. Nothing, you know. Uh, uh, you know, my ex sister in law, she had one drink at Christmas time, right? And she had liver disease. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's. Well, it's toxins. Yeah. It cleans out the toxins. And it if the toxins everything. aren't being cleaned out, right, then it's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but the, isn't it interesting actually from that? You know, how, now comes the education to other people 
about liver disease. And I always find, you know, the those little twists and turns that come in life that to then project us on another path, you know, that becomes something of a service to other people. It's kind of quite intriguing the way those type of things happen, isn't it? Uh, well, in 2010, they gave me two years to live. Really? That's <laughs> like 2023. Okay, I'm yeah. doing good. And how's your liver? Uh, my liver's good. My liver's good. Um, uh, when I go for my, the last time I went for my liver test, well, the first time I got the liver test, I was at like a scale of one to five, your dad. I was at four, four and a half. Wow. Um, and when and they put me on a special treatment program, I was a guinea pig for uh, over a year. Um, and at the end of the treatment, I was in the middle of two. So they said, we don't need to see you again, right? Your liver's doing the thing. It's redoing itself. It's re rejuvenating. Yeah, rejuvenating. And, uh, you know, just changed, just changed my diet. Yeah. And, and didn't drink. And it said, you know, my husband stopped that same day. Right. <laughs> I know somebody. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> He, he okay he, he was an alcoholic but he won't even eat beer battered shrimp <laughs> <laughs> well you know that is for some people it's going to put them over the edge and yeah. that and I think that is very kind of psychological at that point you know and it's uh there is a different um, practice in in Europe where it is it's learning to moderate where you can have a drink where you're not going to go immediately into the addiction or yeah. immediately and that again i think is we have it in north america it's an absolute do or don't yeah and yeah. instead of a belt of our mindset of being in control of knowing when to stop yeah. uh, so it's yeah. a different approach yeah exactly exactly and whatever works for you right it has to work for you and your body has to be evident of that it is working for you yeah yeah definitely didn't miss it at all this you know, even on holidays now, you can get virgin. You can get exactly. virgin drinks, right? Everything, you know? exactly, exactly. No. I mean, there no. are some people that can't be around other people that drink because they just, uh, you know, they, and, but that is a, is, is a psychological issue that definitely has to be addressed because you can't keep imposing that on other people, right? It's something that you, you have to deal with yourself, but it's, uh, everything is, is kind of set in the mind anyway, isn't it? And when you know, there's something that you love that you could be doing that is better for you. Yeah. Then you pour your energy into that and then you don't miss it. You well, don't what, miss the other. What, yeah, what we're advocating now and we're telling everybody is just go and have your liver tested. Yes. That's all you need is a blood test. If you're going, if you're going for a physical, just say, do my liver function test. See how my liver is reacting. Whether you drink or not, you can't, you, you know, um, like this, it's everything that you put on hair dye. Yes. Right. You yes. know, skin is get absorbed and it goes through the liver. Everything goes through the liver. So, right. Airs, you know, um, aerosol sprays. Yes. You know, I mean, God, it goes in, it goes through the lungs, through, and it goes through the liver. And, and of course, so, the skin is the biggest organ. Yeah. Right. It absorbs everything. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so I mean, we just tell people, go and have your liver tested. It's all the, the best to know. When you <laughs> can find a doctor in BC. <laughs> oh. 
I've been on the waiting list oh. for five years. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, my daughter and I have a uh, have a great understanding. It's like there's nothing wrong with me. I'll go have my blood work done. Okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. Fine. I don't. I don't think I've actually seen her for two years. Right. Yeah. Just have the updates done to make sure everything well, is okay. Yeah, right. everything's fine. You know, I, I I I phone her. I talk to her when I get my blood pressure pills renewed. And I say, you know, my blood pressure has been normal for like the past year, like below normal, like the best. She goes, no, no, no. They're taking a low dose. It just keeps taking. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's certain things we know we have to do because they're kind of a part of the maintenance but yeah. you know I think you know you were lucky that you found something at 28 so many people it's 40 50 60 or older Grandma Moses Grandma Moses didn't paint her first painting until she was 86 exactly and I, was, and I was 57 when I started my path on this so huh. the thing is you never know Right. But everything that you've done beforehand, as I say, everything that that I went through beforehand and I've had quite a diverse career roller coaster in uh -huh. my past, it led me to being prepared for doing what I'm doing today. And I think it's like with your grandson, you know, he's got this experience, that experience, this experience. And when the opportunity is right, uh -huh. he will be ready because the experience will give him the backing to match the passion of what he wants to do where he wants to do it. So it's uh, what we know when we look at it, oh God, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. If you are true to your passion, if you're true to, to why you want to do it, your why, why do you want to do it? How does it make you feel? Right. Whom does it serve? When you've got those answers, it's just keep pouring yourself in that. Even if you have to have a day job, keep pouring yourself in that and it will open up to the opportunity down the road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's like uh, I never thought that I could turn my passion into anything, but as it went along gradually, it was, I just took it as a given. It was like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this, right? And even though, you know, the bad times were lessons. Yes, yes. That were taught. Yes. And learn from the lessons, you know, you never make the same mistake twice. Well, no. you, try well, you do if it's presented in a different light. But the thing is, <laughs> because we do and then we realize, oh, that was just disguised you yeah. know, differently. But yeah. the more and more I think we are confident within our why and, and our gift and what we're here to do, we're less likely to open up to those mistakes or when, we, when mistakes or, or obstacles come our way we can take it in our stride and deal with it with a much more level head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of experience of life, isn't it? Yep. Definitely. Definitely. I'm just, I'm just looking at the time. That's fine. How do people get hold of the books, love? Um, dlippingwell.ca is my website. And for people who are just listening, that is D E E. L I P P I N G W E L L dot C A dot C A folks not dot com and no, no dot com won't won't work. I had a I had a, a, a bad web person and uh you know I think we all have to go through that. 
Oh boy, yes. So, so now it's you know, and she is good because uh, you know I am Canadian. <laughs> exactly, a proud Canadian. And yes. you know, this is actually something else that kind of people won't realize is that so many rock artists came here to Canada. And you yes. managed to get all of these artists here in Canada because a lot of people, especially kind of, you know, the other side of the border kind of think no. they were, were back end and nobody comes here. But artists love coming here now, don't they? Like yeah, Madonna's oh, going to start her, her whole tour from Vancouver. Well, she's she had a bacterial infection, so mm. she postponed the Vancouver tour. Um, I guess they're going to make it up at some point. Um, yeah. I don't know how many of the other ones... When we were down in Mexico, CNN, it was breaking news. Madonna has bacterial infection. She's in ICU. She's she, yeah. cancer, canceling her whole tour. Well, you can't. No, you don't cancel the whole tour. You, She's under doctor's care. So you cancel what you have to until right. she's better. Right? Until she's well but enough Vancouver to was the jump off, and now I don't get to see her. So, And right. I was going to see her. Yeah, I think she I think she will eventually, you know, come here. Yeah. Uh, because I think, you know, that I think now the reputation of Vancouver participants is that people really get into it. They yeah. really, you know, shows sell out very quickly here and people are oh, really, really into one it. One day, yeah. Yes, Apparently, one day. I saw I was talking to uh, my friend who puts bums in seats at Live Nation. She handles Madonna and she said that the tour was sold out everywhere. Yeah. The first day. Yeah, exactly. Day, exactly. Out. Exactly. Yeah. No. So no. it's dlippingwell.ca and there's also d uh, just lippingwell at gmail.com. They can get yes. hold of you there. And you're also yes. on Facebook of d.lippingwell. And you can see, you know, as you said, every Friday you post a, a you know, picture of a star that you've done and you kind of post some old memories there. So it's a great place to go in and kind of capture some, maybe some memories if you're up in the age like us, yeah. or maybe yeah. some education, you know, of <laughs> who are these people? Maybe I should listen to their music, right? Yeah, and well. uh, because, you know, some of that that older music for you young fellas out there is yeah. it it was it was core based it was core yeah. based it was core performed yes there was a lot of bubblegum music out there but there was also that's the reason why we still play them 30 40 years later yeah. because that music was something that is transcends the test of time yeah even even bands like alice cooper <laughs> yes yes yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some good ones I, out there. I heard Alice Cooper's music before I had the visual, mm -hmm. right? And I thought, wow, now this guy, this guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened when you saw the visual? And then I saw the visual. I was like, oh my lord! Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> there was a lot of theatrical at that same time. There was a lot of theatrical groups. Like, do you remember um, the Tubes? Yes, yes. Wayville. Right. Now, someone they weren't that big in SA when I was there at that time. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, it's it's like putting uh putting a show, a raunchy rock and roll show on stage. Uh, was just it just blew my mind. Right. It was just like. You know, uh, whips and teach. Oh, it was just like. Yeah. Well, look at the Rocky know. Horror Show, the movie. Well, how yeah, big that was. The same, same line. Yeah. Same line of, uh, yeah. You know. Uh, did you did did you ever catch uh, David Bowie? Did he ever come? Oh yeah, numerous times. 
Numerous times. Because the talk about theatrics, he definitely bought it. Yes. It was a lot shorter than I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the angle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I saw him in Montreal. I shot, uh, Montreal, I shot him in Toronto. I shot him in Vancouver numerous times. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've shot the Rolling Stones like, what, eight or nine times. Mm. Uh, so, you know, going back to the question you said, is there any band that you follow? Well, no, they come to me. Right, good. So I'm glad they recognize you for that uh, because you, uh, you know, you've, you've yeah. portrayed them in their own light, right? Yeah. So mutual respect, right? Yeah. I mean, let's face it, you know, when you're looking at the people of today that want to do what you've done, how many could have this extensive career? It's, it's a different arena now. It's yeah. a different Definitely. thing now. I mean, look at what you have been able to achieve and what you've been able to achieve in capturing some of the greats of all time in that time period that it just can't be replicated today even oh, with can't. the with, with the greats of today they can't because photography has changed yeah. right even the and, music you know even the music has changed with the yeah. rapping and the um like i was really surprised the weekend who is canadian yeah. of course yes i was really really surprised i mean when his his first song hit the hit the we heard it it was just like, my God, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Without knowing that he'd already sold a million copies of this song on the internet. Yes. He was all already a multi-million yep. dollar star. And we just heard from, you know, when they when finally the, a record company released the, the CD. It was just like, um, I mean, <laughs> my grandkids are going to, concerts that i have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> I, I have no idea i know you know i see some of these shows and they're featuring this and this and i was really i watched the, the cnn july 4th mm -hmm. with shania twain and uh, you know uh uh it was it was uh about three or four artists in where i'm just going who is this? Why are they always grabbing their crotch? Why do, they, why do they need half naked dancing girls on stage? Right. And I thought, okay, you know, okay, shut your mouth. Are you just showing? Shut your mouth. But, but um, anyway, it's like, you know, fortunately I could fast forward if I did. <laughs> exactly. I record everything. Fast forward. You know, exactly. I don't understand this rapping stuff. You know, I can understand the bubblegum girls because the bubble, you know, yeah, the, the pop. I, can I mean, there, there, there's that. some raps that are, have been very well done and they're kind of like anthems to the time. And then there's some of it where it is uh, either electronic or it's just, you know, yeah. um, it, it's itty bitty. They're like... I like music that has a fluidity to it. I like music that can kind of take you up high or take you on a journey. You yeah. know, uh, I don't want angry music and I don't want music yeah. that is so disconnected that like, do I jump in now? Do I jump in now? <laughs> you know, uh, I want music that gets me like, I love the group, the pentatonics, the harmonic group, uh, you know, they're, uh -huh. they're really fantastic, you know, and the way the harmonies are just absolutely brilliant. Uh -huh. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny though, because, for me still and I think this is what things like The Voice or American Idol but The Voice especially capture is you know there's no age group 
uh, you know, age bracket on someone and then you see someone and it's drawing the essence out of them. Uh Right. uh You know, it's that you're already a good singer. That's why you're on the program. But now where can we take you where the connection is even more? And that in a world where we're needing connection, we are needing connection badly. Connection where we really feel that we're connecting to people in the same vibe. We're looking for a vibe tribe all the time. And music can do that for us. Photography can do that for us. A good story can do that for us. But we've got to be willing to participate in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's right here. It's right yeah. here. What we've got to do is reach out. So yeah. if they want your book, all they have to do is reach out on your site. Yeah. On your any of your books. That uh, is that the only place that you sell them? Yes. Yes. <coughs> um, with the dwindling bookstores. Yes. It's like we were at Black Bond Books uh, for the longest time. Yeah, they've carried them, and now they're not around anymore oh no they're not on broadway no. anymore no no <sighs> and the bookstores that you know the music stores bookstores or whatever um people are going into music stores to buy albums now which is good yes right? they're not going in to buy books although i have had sales in in books but mostly, mostly through me and then i signed them too wonderful excellent yeah. wonderful yeah. and you know good Remember the days we used to go into a record store and you pick up a record and you play it, you'd be in the booth to listen to it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something, there was an experience in that, wasn't there? There was an experience in it. But the other benefits of having music that is online or on your phone or anything else is that is accessible, which is great. But, um, you know, you still, why do we go to concerts? We go to concerts to be moved. We go to concerts to connect. We go to concerts to feel something. And that's why you know, a blast from the past. Right? Yes. Take yeah. you back in time to oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and you want one that you're going to remember. You're going to remember and having that piece of photography that captures that moment, you know, that that memory. But I think for this generation, the younger generation, is to capture that look and go okay, this looks interesting. What's their music all about? And take mm-hmm. a listen. You know, don't think we were old fogies kind of always old. <laughs> Believe me. Believe me. Back in the day. <laughs> I was South Africa's first go-go dancer. Oh, were you? Before I was a DJ, right? Oh. So, you know, back in the day, we let our hair down and we were free spirits. You know, where do you think the hippie re- revolution came from, right? So, um, you know, don't judge us by where we are now. Yeah. But look at our history because we've paved the road for you now. And now all the fads that we started and we created yes. are now coming back. Exactly. Exactly. And some of them shouldn't. Uh, no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Oh, uh, this has been wonderful. I can't wait to meet you in person. And, you know, folks, please go back and, and uh, you know, just look at a site, look at the, the books. What a wonderful gift to give to someone as a memory, oh. uh, to give to someone young, to have a, a story, to open up that music genre for them from the past there, you know, educate them to keep it going. Because look at music from the 60s and the 70s is still very, very much relevant today. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very much relevant. So let's give them the photograph that goes along with it so they can actually identify what it is. So it's D-Lipping 
well.ca write yes. to her for a book uh what a great gift to give to someone and uh, you know what a great gift to give to yourself if you're from that era you know bring back those memories for yourself but having a piece of history because you've captured history right the musical mm. history of all some of the greatest artists we've ever seen and ever heard right yes. and you're capturing that in a book and it's absolutely wonderful when will the next book be coming out Oh, well, well, we're not even going to, we're not even going to go there. I'm about a third of the way through the slide box. <laughs> it's oh. okay. It could be a thick book. We're quite happy to have a lot of edges. <laughs> <laughs> we want it all. We want it all. Thanks so much, Dee, for being here. It's an absolute delight and uh, for sharing, you know, thank you for what you did. Thank you for capturing history. Well, you're, it to you're us. very welcome. You're very welcome. I did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do, you know. That's the thing when when you share the passion, when you share that conviction of that passion, and you're doing it because you absolutely loved it. That love is passed on. Yeah. So, thank you Good. for honoring them, and then for showing us, you know, all those beautiful memories. So, until next time, folks. Remember, whatever you're passionate about, some way or other, ignite that light and let it free, because you never know where it's going to go. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted and we do hope that you enjoy the next show.